0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Uh, I wonder if you've ever been uh, around people and you've had certain expectations of, of people. Uh, and sometimes those certain expectations, we see that they they don't match up to what we find in a person, and that can be really disheartening. Uh, with my family, um, man, my parents, when I was growing up as a kid, they, I thought that they could do no wrong, um, and if my mom is listening to this on podcast, you still do no wrong, mom, okay? Um, I, I, but I thought that, like, they did everything right, they were s- the smartest people in the world, and I thought our family, same thing, I'm like, we, we're just, our family does everything right, and it, then you, you go and you kind of get into reality and you see how other people do things and how other families act, and you're like, oh, so not every family says sarcastic things all day long to each other. Interesting. And some of you are like, really? Yeah, it's true, guys. Um, you mean other families, when, when mom falls down, you don't all laugh at her? People go pick her up? Like, that's such a mind blowing thing. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this Expectations are everything. Um, You know, and and once expectations, once we actually encounter reality, uh, sometimes things change for us. Uh, And one of those things for Christians is, I think sometimes we expect that Christians aren't going to be bombarded by life in a way that, that just brings on anxiety and worry like everybody else. But you hit reality, it's just not the case. Again, expectations are everything. I was listening to uh, a sermon from uh, Timothy Keller just uh, this week, sometime, and he was talking about. Um, imagine somebody takes you to a room at a at a hotel, and this guy's going to show you this room, and he says, "Hey, this is our honeymoon suite." You walk into the to the room, and you're looking around. You're like, "This this room's a a dump. <laughs> this room is not even close to a honeymoon suite. It's awful." And then. Instead of him saying, bringing you to that room and saying, "Hey, this is our honeymoon suite," if the same guy came to the same room and and brought you to it and said, "Hey, just so you know, this is this is our prison cell that we hold really bad guests or whatever," but it's our it's our prison cell, and you walk around the room and you look and you're like, "Hmm, ain't so bad. I could live here." The the difference in the expectation there from honeymoon suite to prison cell it changes the way that you that you look at stuff, and. Here's what Keller says about that. A lot of Christians are losing their peace and joy because they aren't expecting the attacks on their peace and joy that are inevitable. If we aren't expecting to to go through life and have anxieties and worries, things that bring that on us, then we're kind of kidding ourselves. We're not in reality. Uh, And some of our anxiety actually comes from this idea where, where it's like we're saying, it's not supposed to be like this. You experience all this difficult stuff. Man, it, why is it like this? It shouldn't be like this. I don't know about you, but I've, I've found myself saying those kinds of things often. It's not supposed to be like this. It's not supposed to be The truth is, in reality, this is exactly what it's supposed to be like. Now, from the beginning, yeah, maybe, maybe it, God didn't create us to, to be in the situation that we're in exactly, but once sin entered into the world, man, all kinds of craziness happened. And so, yes, this is exactly what it's supposed to be like. You're, you're sitting there wondering, like, why is my life the way... Because life is difficult. Life is, is complicated. And I know that that's super encouraging, everything that I've just said so far. Um, but while we're stuck in this world and, and we're, we're thinking to ourselves, it's not supposed to be like this, I think that there's also hope in that. I think the very fact that we're saying it's not supposed to be like that is actually hope in our hearts that we know that there's something better for us. We were born with this eternal thing inside of us, and we know we're created for something that's better than what this is. So that actually brings hope when when I start thinking through that, that yeah, it is supposed to be better than this. And so today we're looking um, in this first part of this emotion series, talking about anxiety, talking about worry. And bottom line, anxiety is something that we all are going to deal with. Worry is something that we're all going to deal with. Uh, it, it is, it's something that's skyrocketing in our culture. I think we all know that. Um, our job today is not to go and see, okay, why is anxiety skyrocketing? It is to see, how can we have hope? Why can we have hope in the midst of all this? If you're going to live in a world that, that truly shouldn't be like it is, what is the hope for us for finding, finding peace? How can our souls be at rest when the whole world around us has gone wrong? And I, there's a verse, it's actually half a verse in Romans chapter 12. Uh, some of the passages I'm going I'm to use today, I'm going to be honest with you. They are passages you're probably going to hear a lot when you, when you talk about worry or anxiety. Because there's so much truth in them. And sometimes when it comes to scripture, we have to remind ourselves of of what's in scripture, things that we've heard over and over and over again if we're actually going to start to believe it and live it out. And so this one comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. Some of you actually, when it comes to talking about anxiety, you might actually get ticked off at me for using that phrase, change the way you think. Because you hear that and you're like, it's a cop-out. That's too easy. If I could just change the way that I think, I would have done that a long time ago, Kellen. Like, it's really, really hard to change the way that you think. And I totally agree with you. Are we saying that there's this easy answer for overcoming worry and anxious thoughts? I want you to listen. Worry is a real thing. It's it's a real thing that we deal with. Anxiety is is natural for humans. It's almost like breathing. From birth to death, one thing that we're going to do is we're going to worry. And it's such a struggle that there really is no easy one answer for it. Can God heal you of your anxieties and your worries in in a split second? Sure. Do I think that he does it very often? not really. And why? Why, why, do we not, why do we have to struggle in, in that place of worry? Is it because God wants us to lean on him more than anything else and kind of pushes us that way through the difficulties? Maybe. Is it because he wants to push us towards relationship with people? Maybe. I got to be honest with you. I don't know all the reasons why God does things the way that he does. Why he makes me suffer through things that cause me anxiety. I don't know. But I want you to be clear about this. The, the writer of Romans, Paul, he is, not, he is not wrong in saying that we need to change the way we think. We have to seek God in life. We may have to seek professional help from professional counselors. We need friends who will support us. But it's interesting. Sometimes we say, uh, you know, when you talk about anxiety, don't, don't make it seem like like you know, God can do all the healing and tell people that they got to go to professional counselors and do that. I believe that. But you realize when we go to professional counselors, what are the professional counselors trying to get us to do? They're trying to get us to reframe how we think things. So Paul was completely right when he talked about we have to change the way that we think. But it sounds really simplistic to us. And in the middle of my anxieties and worries, that is the place more than anything where it's actually really hard for me to change the way that I think. I've seen this through my daughters. Um, I I realize now how much anxiety I had as a kid as I watch my daughters. Um, And I I never thought that I had it, but now I'm like, oh, I I did. The difference between me and them is I think I I held it all in. I never told my parents, whereas they tell us everything. Um, And so... What I've realized, though, when my daughters have anxiety, in the moment that they're starting to have that worry or that anxiety, it is, you almost have to just ride it out at that point. It's like your brain is not functioning right, and so it's really hard to change the way you think when you're in that place of of worry and anxiety. And so, really, I think what happens is we have to change the way we think when we're in a healthy place. The changing of the thinking goes when we are kind of in a right mind and, and, and start to, to see our identity in a different place. A quick explanation of this for you. Um, I bring everything back to sports in some way. I get it. Okay. But for me, back in high school, when I was playing basketball, I started to realize this change in thinking at the end of close basketball games. Uh, it would get, if we were in a really close basketball game, maybe it's a, a two-point game with a minute left. Man, there were times where I was just, I was completely nervous. I'm like, oh my goodness, I, we're gonna lose. I don't want to lose. And, and I'm freaking out. And at some point in my, in my time in high school, my, my brain started to change. And instead of being all worried like, oh man, we're going to lose this game, I started to kind of reframe the, the, the question that was going on in my head, which was, okay, if, I, if we don't win, I'm, uh, that's going to take away some of my value. And it started to become, okay, Kellen, even if we lose this game at the end here, how much worse is tomorrow really going to be? My family's still going to love me. I'm pretty sure Crystal's still going to love me. We were dating in high school, so I, I did th- have that thought go through my head. Um, people, people are still going to like me. I'm going to wake up, and, and things are going to be... In five years, ain't nobody going to remember this game. It's a dumb high school basketball game in Monaco, Wisconsin. And so you, you start to think... I started to reframe the way that I was thinking. But I also want you to understand, I didn't reframe the way that I was thinking in the middle of that basketball game. What happened was God was starting to, to reframe my identity when I wasn't in a basketball game. I always had this, this thing in me. I always wanted to be the best at everything. Uh, if if we we're going to have a math test the next day, I was worried about that math test all the time because it was like, I got to be the best. I got to get the best score on that math test. That was my value. That's how I valued myself. Um. If we are going to run the mile at, during gym class, I was nervous the whole day because I couldn't, under, I couldn't picture myself, if I didn't win the mile in gym class, how, how, can I, how can I look at myself in the mirror and not see best runner in the class? Like it was crazy stuff like that. And so I put my value into the wrong things. And as in high school, as, as my faith started to develop, I started to realize that's not where my value comes from. Us winning this basketball game, it, it's not where my value comes from. Now, for some reason, this doesn't change how I think during Vikings games. And I I blame every single one of you Packers fans because you guys always remind me, you guys haven't won a title, and that's that's shows that you are not a valuable person, Kellen. That's what I feel. It's your fault that I struggle in that way, you guys. But this change in my thinking, it came outside of the anxious moments. This change in thinking came in how I viewed myself in light of the bigger picture. In light of, how, of God's love for me. In light of what really actually matters in life. We have to change the way that we think because the way that we think, a lot of the time, it is just messed up. We are negative people. <laughs> you know, so much of the time my mind goes to the absolute worst place that it could possibly go to. But I believe change really can happen. Paul is really upfront about this. We can change our patterns of thinking. Um, now, it's not easy to do that. It's actually, it takes a lot of time. It's not going to work to change the way that we think when we are in crisis mode. Please understand that. Like, it, When you get into crisis mode, it's really hard to be in a healthy place, a healthy frame of mind, if you haven't gotten yourself into a healthy frame of mind before that. Now, I'm not saying it's hopeless right now if, you're, if you feel like I'm an unhealthy person and I, uh, I'm already dealing with crisis mode. God, God can help us, and we can always go to God in those moments, and I believe that he gives us a grace that we wouldn't have otherwise. But we need to get our thinking different when we're in that healthy place. Um, in those everyday moments when we're not at our worst, how are you thinking about yourself? How are you thinking about how it is that you find value in yourself? How are you placing your identity in Jesus and not in the things around you? If you're a negative thinker, um, if worrying anxiety hit you constantly, there's another popular passage in Scripture, and I want to read this, because this one, uh, I think it hits home for every single one of us, the way that we would like to be. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Paul again says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me you, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Sounds really easy, right? Like, he just said everything that I actually want to be: to think all the pure and lovely and great thoughts. And then the world hits me like a ton of bricks and it seems like I'm just I'm not even capable of it to rejoice always to when when I have anxiety to instead of thinking about that to pray and to thank God like all this stuff seems so out there but we're not saying that Paul's not saying that you need to be a perfect description of this Philippians 4 by tomorrow can you be a little bit more like this description of Philippians 4 tomorrow than you were today can you be a little bit more like this description on Tuesday than you are tomorrow? I'm not asking us to be perfect right off the bat. And I'd say, uh, I'd say growing up, one of the, the, the cool way to deal with hurts and difficulties in life was just to hold it in. Uh, I think culture is changing a lot. We're, we talk a lot more about talking about, what, about what's really going on. I used to go to bed at night with a thousand different worries going on through my brain. And I would stay up until 10.30, go out, watch the sports news for about 10 minutes, and then go back to bed and fall asleep at 11 o'clock as a kindergarten kid because I was worried the whole time. I didn't tell my parents about any of it, though. Um, here's the thing. That's not healthy. Not talking about stuff is not healthy. But as people, we tend to lean towards the unhealthy ways of dealing with stuff. And so while, while maybe now we talk about, our, uh, about the things that are going on, and sometimes I mean, some of us maybe we still don't talk about stuff, but it's almost like some of the culture has gone completely the, uh, the other way. Instead of holding things in, it's almost as if we celebrate our anxiety in every deficient way that our brains think. We talk about it and it's like, well, this is just who I am. This, and, and our anxieties are actually becoming our identities. It, we got to be really careful that we don't We don't look at the things that worry us and make us anxious and all of a sudden, well, this is just who I am and I'm proud of it in some weird kind of way. Our anxieties cannot become our identities. Satan's objective is to make you so miserable that you are ineffective for God. And as we find our identity in all the wrong things, that's exactly what we are becoming. We are becoming ineffective for God. Let's not find that identity in in what makes us struggle. Let's find our identity in Jesus. And honestly, as followers of Jesus, we should be experts in joy. But a lot of times we're not. A lot of times Philippians 4 is not what I look like. Satan wants to do nothing more, I think, than to make each and every one of us a joyless representation of what Jesus looks like to other people. That's not even a real thing, right? Like, Jesus is joy. Jesus is love. Jesus is good. And Satan is trying to get us to be ineffective for God by taking all that away. And King David, he had many worrisome moments in his life. He had many um, anxious, even depressive moments in his life. His brothers didn't really like him at all. Uh, he, he had a child out of wedlock, uh, and it was a sinful thing that he had done, and, and that child ended up dying. He, he, when he was Helping out King Saul, King he was faithful to King Saul, and King Saul was trying to kill him. Like this dude went through a lot of struggles. Uh, But there's a psalm in Psalm 42 where David talks about these worries and these anxieties. Starting off in verse five, here's what he says: Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me; therefore, I will remember You from the land of the Jordan. The heights of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. And day by day, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I want you to see verses 5 and 11. Paul said, or David said the exact same thing. Verses 5 and 11. He says, my soul, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He's saying, why am I so anxious? Why am I so worried? He's acknowledging that he is worried and he's anxious. But then he says, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my God and my Savior and my God. He tells himself the, the truth about who God is. You see, David could either listen to his heart when he's struggling and when he's in despair, or he could talk to his heart. He could listen to his heart or he could talk to his heart. His heart was hurting. It was agitated. There was something in him that didn't feel right. You all know that feeling when, when you walk into a place and, and it's like you, your body feels this drain of hope. It's like your heart sinks into your gut. Y'all you know what that feeling is like, I think. And, and David, David was realizing, you know what? My heart is not the arbiter of truth. What I feel is not the arbiter of truth. See, there, there were times where Eric and I, my boss, Eric and I, we, we thought a couple of different buildings were, we were dead set. Our hearts were telling us that place is going to be the new permanent building for Central Janesville. And... It never happened until this building. And I'm glad it never happened because this building's awesome. Um, There were, my heart was telling me after, the girlfriend I had before Crystal, after she broke up with me, my heart was telling me, man, it's never going to get better. This is going to be tough. And it didn't take very long and it got better because Crystal was waiting in the wings to come and swoop me up. All right. I like to say that at least. My heart tells me that I'll feel better if I'm struggling to pick up my phone and scroll away my life's problems. Our hearts tell us things that are not true. They are not, our heart is not the arbiter of truth. And so what David was doing in this passage was he was acknowledging, yes, here's my, here's my worries. I'm downcast, I'm struggling. But then he goes right to, but my hope is in God. We can either listen to our hearts or we can talk to our hearts. Worry is what happens when you listen to your heart too much. Peace comes from talking to your heart about who you are in Christ. And as we talk about emotions over the next month or so, uh, there's probably something that you're gonna hear a few times. And it's this idea that in the middle of the difficulties, we have to we have to see the bigger picture. We have to look at things through an eternal mindset. You know, when a child gets mad, I've seen a child get mad before and literally take a chair and throw it across a room and hit a glass door. Now that glass door could have broken. Luckily for him, it didn't. But you've seen kids in the moment where they're, where they're frustrated and they're angry. All of the future consequences go out the window. Let's be honest. It happens with us too. All the future consequences go out the window and so we react in the moment however we want to react and we do really stupid things. Worry really isn't much different from the kid that's acting out in a moment. Jesus actually said to us, who of you can add a single hour to his life by worrying? Worrying.